Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so happy you're joining us today. I am meeting with a dear friend who is going to help us reframe some of those limiting beliefs that we have. We are talking about something that is very practical for this time of the year, and that is our relationship to money and creating money, giving money, buying things, fixing things. You know, so often we look to money as sort of this savior figure or something that if we only had more of, then we'd feel complete or we'd be enough. And we start to outsource our abundance and our joy or happiness, all of these things outside of ourselves. And we put it in something called money. But actually, the source of our joy, our abundance, our sense of worth and value is right here, right within ourselves. And so receiving abundance is about coming into alignment and vibrating with that energy, right? Cultivating a connection to the energy that's already within you. And so I thought I would call upon my friend Sarah Walton today, who really is an abundance coach, and she helps women to create more wealth in their business and in their lives. So This is the conversation we're going to have today, looking at the energy of money and money as energy and how we can shift just our mindset, our beliefs, some of our limiting thoughts, some of our past experiences even. A lot of how we relate to money now depends on our family or experiences we had, which might actually be true scarcity. And Sarah's going to share a really personal story about growing up with a single mom and growing up in true scarcity and how she came to shift her own relationship with money and now how she works with others. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you and be sure to stay till the end because she gives this amazing tip. And I don't know about you, but paying off debt or credit cards or bills or just feeling like you're always having to pay all these things all the time can really like drag my energy down. It feels really heavy, like a heavy weight. And she gives this really awesome way to pay down debt or pay bills or approach your finances that feels really fun, really empowering. And she's used this method with people who want to save money, who want to accumulate wealth, but also people who are needing to pay down some debt as well and how it makes it really easy. I feel like it's a real key, a real secret that she's sharing with us at the end of the podcast. So be sure to listen. And I just wanted to remind you that if you'd like to join me in a couple of weeks for my Reflect and Project online retreat, I would love to connect with you online. We are going to be using yoga and breath work to open up those subtle energy channels in our body. We're going to be using meditation and visualization to get those cosmic downloads and connect to a higher vision for our year next year. Uh, My friend Andrada is coming in to give us some astrological advice based on the energies and the planets for 2024. 
and I have this amazing workbook. You're going to walk away with a really clear vision and plan to move forward and also aligning your energy and your vibration to keep you inspired throughout the year. So I would love to see you in my retreat. Come on in. You can find all the information in my show notes and on Instagram, Harmony Slater Official. You can just click on my bio link. It's all there. And it's going to be an amazing morning if you're in North America or early afternoon if you're in the UK and Europe. So come on in. The recording is yours to keep and so is the workbook and everything. So you can do it with us live or on your own time. So without further ado, let's jump into this beautiful conversation with the lovely Sarah Walton. Hi, Harmony. <laughs> I'm so excited to spend time with you today. I'm so excited too. You're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. <laughs> I have so many favorite topics, but... Yeah, I was going to say, you have so many. Yeah. But I think this is a really important conversation that I want to have with you because... I think this time of year can be really difficult. <laughs> yes, to say the yeah. least. Good word. Good word. Yeah. Um, even like for me, I was, you know, feeling like a lot of pressure around money and finances. And it's, I mean, we just got out of like this Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and we're into Christmas and like, oh my gosh, what the heck is going on? And mm. limiting beliefs and like, but then there's also reality. <laughs> I was talking with my mom last night and she told me that every year when I was a child, they used to go into debt over Christmas and they would get out of debt around September. Finally, they'd pay it mm. off basically just to go into debt again come November, December. And yeah. oh my God, that's like so hard to, I think, feel abundant and step into abundance and <laughs> that's your reality yeah so tell me yeah. how can we feel abundant when there's so much like scarcity mindset and scarcity feeling around mm. us mm. oh my gosh right i know i actually on Black Friday, when my inbox was blowing the yeah. F up, I was like, I get one more email. I'm going to throw this thing out the window. I was like, get off my back. Um, <laughs> I actually stopped what I was doing. I was having brunch with some girlfriends. I was like, you need to excuse me. I need to go do a Facebook story before I lose my mind or an yeah. Instagram story before I lose my mind. So I run out and I do an Instagram story about this thing. Um, and the pressure that we feel to consume crap we don't need it's like what right and it, it, it um it's sort of like that five people you hang out with influence your life the most right if you take the average salary of the five people you hang out with that's probably your yeah. salary but it, it goes with habits too totally. it's why if we set goals with friends we do so much better mm -hmm. um but if you're around a bunch of people who are shopping and that includes the influence in your inbox or when we were growing up right like the yeah. 80s hi <laughs> no, right? hi it was like anything you can buy, just yeah. that's like flying out of people's wallets. Yeah. And there's like this peer pressure for that. But the funny thing is, along with the true addictive properties of that and the dopamine hits we get, um, is it's actually just the other side of scarcity. Because if you actually feel abundant and you love what you have and you use what you have, you have zero desire to go buy new stuff. Right. It's like so counterintuitive. 
Um, and his favorite things to do, you know, when I have a new student or someone joins me is like I have them put every single piece of clothing they own on their bed. It drives people crazy. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. Go get all your clothes. You and Marie you, Kondo them. I do. I love Marie Kondo. She's my favorite. But I do it with clothes, mm-hmm. especially around the I holidays. I need to do right? this. Like, so just, please tell me. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We're going to get back to the holidays. I swear on my life. But it's like, like if you get everything you own, every piece of clothing that you own and put it on your bed, you want to vomit. You're like, what did I bring all of these things into my house? Like there's so much stuff, right? And then if you forget something, it's automatically donated. Because if I tell you to get all your clothes on your bed and you're like, oh, yeah, that jacket I haven't worn in eight years, it's out. Like, stop. What are you doing? Stop. And the reason we do clothes is we regularly donate our clothes, right? We've all gone through the cycle, so it's not so scary. It doesn't feel weird. It's not like this brand new foreign experience. But if you actually look at all of it, Mm. the need to buy disappears. Yeah. Yeah. Because what are you going to buy? I know. Do you need another black shirt, Sarah? Do you? Really? Do you? Yeah. This is so good because actually, you know, I'm going to share a a dirty little secret that I have right now up in my bedroom. I have two black garbage bags and one white garbage bag. The white one's full of shoes and the black one are full of clothes. But they're clothes that like my sister-in-law has given to me to go through. But like my closet's full. And so this is really relevant because I need to do this. I really need to go through my clothes and my shoes. And it's such a like beautiful example of like also abundance and how we're really like so blessed in, you know, our first world countries and also blessed by people in our lives. Luckily for me, it's not so much shopping, but it's receiving Mm hand-me-downs, which I love. Because I really don't like shopping for clothes. <laughs> I really just like um, like adopting clothes or <laughs> allowing them to come to me. Listen, it's so good for the environment that you do that. That's so good. Um, yeah. But also it, it does lead to excess too because you're like, oh, I really like this. But then maybe I never wear it, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a balance there. I mean, one of the reasons I do like Marie Kondo, right, yeah. is is because she does talk about the joy that things give you. And I, I do think that's important. Like I always use this example whenever I talk about how money goes to where the perceived value is highest. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite things about one of the properties of money. And it's true about some of my clothes. Like I have some ratty old t-shirts or some like, I call them like house jackets that you would only ever wear inside, right? And they belong to my stepmom who passed away from lung cancer. And they look like crap. I don't care. You couldn't pay me $10,000 to take them, right? Because the perceived value for me is so high. And every time I put them on, I'm so happy and there's so much joy and I feel so abundant. And so it really is abundance is in the eye of the beholder, Mm. right? But there's so much that we can do to retrain how we're perceiving what's around us and what's happening. So in those moments when you're like, I like this, but I haven't worn it. Well, but why haven't you worn it? right? Does it not bring you that much joy? Is it a COVID thing? Like none of us get dressed up anymore. Like there's, I mean, it's a sad fact of life. I have dresses. I'm like, I really need to hang on to this, but oh dear God, I don't know if I'm ever going to wear it again. (laughs) But like there's things in there that I think the part of that's real, but really checking in to see, does it actually, and I love her phrase, spark joy. Does it actually like 
Like you should walk into your closet. I love this. Like I've decorated my closet. There's flowers in my closet. I know I'm crazy. No, there's like beautiful pictures in my closet. It's like the shoes that I love, but because I grew people, my knees don't like those shoes anymore, but I love to look at them. They're like displayed. Nice. Right. I love it so much. Right. Why would our whole lives not be like that? And it's very difficult to feel that way if your life is crowded with crap you don't need. And that's what happens at this time of year where people panic by that scarcity. If you're abundant and you're lean back and you're like, oh my God, I really have wanted that course for three years and it's 50% off, sold, right? But it's like this easy, breezy, no panic. That's amazing. I just got that for so much off. Like that sort of a feeling that is so different from what else? Oh my God. Like, And I've seen people, yeah, they like have spreadsheets. I'm like, are you you okay? Like, it's going to be okay. Like, you don't probably need any of that. I think the question I I love to have people ask at this time of year when people put themselves in debt to buy stuff nobody wants or needs, really, or stuff that they then feel obligated to take care of, but they didn't really want, is, will this purchase enhance my life? Mm. And it sounds very like, (laughs) will this, like, it sounds that way, but it's very simple. Because sometimes like I see this around house stuff a lot for people or like bigger houses, bigger cars is like, is it going to enhance your life or is it going to become a burden? Mm -hmm. And people take a second and it's like, oh my God, like who's cleaning it? Who's taking care of it? What happens when something goes wrong? What happens if some jerk bumps into you at a stoplight and you've had the car for five minutes? Are you going to be okay? Some people are like, yeah, I'll just get a fix this number. Other people are like, what? And they're completely devastated. And that sounds crazy, but it's like you might want to think like maybe you take that 50000 yeah. take it off that car, go put it in the bank and like go to Italy or London and Peru and hike stuff and do all those other things that no one can ever take away from you and that can't ever get damaged. Yeah. And you buy a really great car yeah. that's awesome, right? Yeah. That costs half as much. And if it gets hit on a light, you're like, oh man, and then you're fine. Yeah. But it's like those sorts of things. I think sometimes we don't quite take it through to the next mm-hmm. level. And I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love that because I think it's really, that's something I've always prioritized, like my spending on is experiences and like my Mm -hmm. own kind of enrichment more than objects because those are things that for me pay dividends into the future. Like when I invest in my yoga practice or invest in my personal development, I invest in my learning. For me, I love those things and I feel like they help me grow. And that's, yeah. of course, one of my top values is growth. So <laughs> but great. also freedom. And I love how you talk about freedom and abundance and that connection between freedom and abundance. They are the same. They really are the same. When I decided to launch the Abundance Academy, I interviewed almost a hundred different women. And I mean, I've been at this for 14, 14, it's 14 years now. And so I thought I knew what the answers would be. And I was close. But when I really ask people like, what do you want the most right now? Freedom. And I was like, whoa, it was freedom, 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 freedom. And then I would dig in at freedom about what, right? Like, do you want to run away and live in Africa? Like, what are you talking about freedom? Like what's happening here? And it was It was freedom to make choices whenever they wanted. It was freedom to take a day off whenever they wanted. It was freedom to study whatever they wanted and freedom from worry. And I think that last one is really critical. I think that that resonates somehow on a human level that we all feel. And I remember the first time I heard it, 
was an interview with JK Rowling, who's someone I use as an example around money, yeah. right? I mean, we're all given ideas every day. And there she is starving yeah. with her baby on a train and she sees a kid with glasses and a lightning scar and goes, huh, I wonder what his story is. Okay. I would have been like, I don't know what the hell that was. What are we eating for lunch? <laughs> right? Like the woman listened, right? Like it just blows my mind yeah. that she like took that and did something with yeah. it. It's so inspiring, right? But when somebody asked her, it was in an interview, I'll never forget. And I wish I could find it. I think it was at the BBC. I'm not sure, yeah. but it was so moving yeah. where she was talking about writing all the Harry Potter books in like a coffee shop, like those first couple trying to get it sold. She'd stay in a coffee shop all day because it was warm and she could have a cup of coffee and write and the baby was warm and she'd go home to her little tiny apartment. And in this interview, oh, it's going to make me cry again. They took her to that same apartment and someone else was living there, obviously. And sorry, the person had all the Harry Potter books on their oh bookshelf and she lost it. Oh my God. Like she, they had no idea that they were living in the house where she'd and she just lost it. Oh and God. you watch this woman who would sit in a coffee shop to stay warm, who's now a bazillionaire, yeah. was the same person. Like wow. it, it was just this moment of like recognition of how far she'd come. And someone said, what is it? Yeah. What's different for you? And she said, freedom from worry. Yeah. Helicopter rides are great. All the things, like all the stuff, right? It was freedom from worry. Yeah. And it is, that, it is that lift from scarcity. And I think what people don't understand is the majority of that lift is in our heads. Yeah. It is mindset over strategy. People are like, how do I invest my money? What do I do? I'm like, you can invest it a hundred million different ways. Like, oh my God, pick up your phone. We have these weapons of mass distraction that can give you any piece of information you want about anything. You can go research that. That's not the hard part, right? The hard part is your brain. That's the issue. Yeah, like what is mm -hmm. that essential shift, do you think, that needs to happen where, like, I mean, because people can have a lot of, money, a lot of abundance, a lot of financial security and still be concerned miserable. and worried and miserable and, and upset and anxious and like thinking all the time, worst case scenarios, right? And yeah. then you could have someone else who doesn't have that, but it has like an abundance energetically, emotionally mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe they, they don't even have any items. Like I think of maybe a, like a, a sadhu or a swami or like a, you know, <laughs> This is yeah. Ramana Maharshi living in the Himalayas or Arunachala, you know, in a cave yeah. with very little, but totally abundant Total in joy. essence yeah. and spirit. Like, what is that shift that needs to happen? Yeah. I think my answer is a little bit different from what most people say. It just comes from my experience and what I've seen coaching people all these years is self-trust. I just, I think that's what it comes down to. It's almost like, did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, I've seen it a little bit. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Well, Ted, the main character, every once in a while, he'll be like, damn it, past Ted, right? Or damn it, future Ted, like whenever when he doesn't do something he should have, he's yeah. like, damn it, past Ted. There's like that feeling we all have. Yeah. Do I trust me yeah. to be making the right decisions now so that future me is happy? Yeah. And I think that's when we breathe and it goes both ways, right? Like we have to trust our past selves. They were doing the best that they could. Mm -hmm when they made the decisions they made, yeah. right? We've got to trust that our past selves did the best they could with what they had. And that in this moment, do you trust yourself to do what you need to do to have yourself feel free? And just asking that question can make you feel free. And one of the ways I start to heal this, and it, this is very difficult for women to do, specifically if you're raised as someone who identifies as female from a very young age, it's this constant, where's that pretty smile? Like there's that constant energy of like, don't have any feelings. They make me uncomfortable. 
Right. It's like this constant push for us to not need anything from anybody. And that fractures our self-trust because that's a form of self-betrayal, right? Because we put everybody else's needs in front of our own to the point that we are rewarded for being selfless. Mm -hmm. So we have no self. Oh, she's so selfless. That makes me want to scream, right? Because there's no self. And that's what we get rewarded for. So that healing, Mm. especially for women to find that source of abundance is total self-love, total self-compassion, and moving that as as gently yet quickly as we can into self-trust. Because all of a sudden, you're looking at a Black Friday sale, and you totally trust yourself to be like, dude, I have so many gold rings. I'm good. I'm good. And Joey doesn't need another red sweater. We're fine. Everybody's fine. But that level of self-trust where it's almost funny. And you're like, actually, you know, do you guys want to, I don't know, do, do you guys want to make s'mores or do something else or do you want to watch a movie together or do you guys want to go, you know, let's go to a homeless shelter and look at how much there is. Yeah. Look at how much there is that we can do that will make us feel so full and happy and excited. And then we could take that money we were about to go spend and throw it into an account somewhere yeah. to do whatever we want yeah. with it. And maybe we end up using it next Christmas to do something else. And we go rent a cabin in Vail and do something crazy, yeah. like I, whatever. But this idea that I think that that shift into self-trust mm-hmm sort of shatters this made up dichotomy we have that there's only one way to do the things, right? If something's on sale, you must get it like that. No, there's 80 million ways for me to acquire that if I want it. Mm -hmm. And there's 80 million things I might want. So I'm just going to take a hot second and trust myself. And that little tiny step can make a huge difference. I think that's a big one. I think it also lends itself to like trusting in something greater than yourself too, right? Like knowing that you're a part of something bigger Mm -hmm. and that like the right things at the right time are going to come to you and that not everything's meant for you. There's so much involved with that, like trusting you're in the right place at the right time and making the right choices. And I know just from my own experience, you know, earlier this week or last week, I was in like a little bit of a negative downward spiral and I was like, like, if I could just go back and make all kinds of different decisions, right? <laughs> and it's like the place where you feel the most scarce and the most self-sabotaged is when you're doubting that you made the right mm. decisions or doubting that you did the right thing and you're feeling like, oh, I've made all the wrong decisions in my life or I've made all the wrong choices. And and it really is, I think, a very powerfully negative, powerfully like scarce, small, contracted space to be in as opposed to that trust where you're like, you know what? (laughs) You're in the exact right place. You've done all the right things and all good things are coming for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And those are tough. I actually, I don't know if you guys can hear, like I have this ongoing cough, right? And it's like, it will not go. Uh, Like, I'm like, I'm done now with you. Goodbye. Right? It can make me really sad. Like I talk for a living. Can you not? Can you just get, right? It's a pattern that we get into, right? So two things when we do that, because yes, we absolutely trust. I love that you said that. That's correct. One of my favorite questions to ask is who's talking? Mm -hmm. And I'll literally ask it out loud sometimes. Like I should have, I should have done it. Who's talking? Right. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, it's my ex-husband's voice. And I, right, like that will happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my God, he's still here. I thought we'd deal. You're like, no, right. That will happen. Other times it's a past version of me. Mm-hmm. 
right? So like the, the ego patterns that can come in. I'm like, oh, you, hi, eighth grade you. Yeah. I see you. You're like, oh my God, you're not running the show though anymore. I love you. Yeah. I love you so much. Yeah, the grownups in charge though now, right? And like literally people, you know, make sure you're in a private place so people don't think you've lost your <laughs> mind. But like you can actually say those things out loud and it breaks the pattern in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's really powerful because that isn't you. Yeah. That isn't the highest version of you. That isn't the most loving, most generous, most powerful, most intelligent version of you going, well, if you had just done it, like, no, we know that that's not the highest version of the self, right? We, that's just clear. Yeah. And so sometimes calling it out, like, who's talking right now? Like, who? what is that? And another version of that is, where did you learn that? Mm. And that's where you go, oh my God, that's my mother, right? Like, you'll hear that come in too, but again, not you. It's not you. And anytime you can start to kind of cause that separation, that helps. And then the other thing that um, I find immediately helpful is putting yourself in the moment of absolute success, whatever that is like, right? You know, really healthy and strong, certain amount of money in the bank, people in your business that you're working with consistently, and just sort of being in that moment, just sitting in it and loving it. What are you smelling? What are you wearing? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? And then you ask yourself, what did that woman do to get there? Mm all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, that's just me. And now you're JK Rowling looking at the books. What did she do? Yeah. What did she do today to get to that? And all of a sudden it gets really clear. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm going to reach out to three people. Awesome. I'm going to send that one email. Great. Oh my God. They would call Bob from accounting. Yeah, go call Bob. Like whatever comes to mind, yeah. that higher version of yourself, you can actually trust that that will come in. Like you're saying that higher power. Mm -hmm right? Whether you call it a higher version of yourself or, or God or the universe or whatever yeah. comes in and we'll show you the next three things you need to do yeah. like immediately. And then you're in action. So you feel great. And you've separated the dialogue from the truth that is you. And that also will increase your self-trust. Yeah. I love that. And it reminds me of another question that I think is really important along with what did that person do in the future that I you know, want to be? It's like, who do I need to be? Mm in order to like be that person like who is that person now and like stepping into that quality or qualities of that person right so like is that person like crying in the bank or are they, you know, feeling like empowered and abundant and how can i like really step into that feeling now and then exactly as you're saying the action flows so much easier mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. And I always say to people, like, I know this may not be the kindest thing I ever say, but I'm like, dude, if Elon Musk can do what he's doing, like, are you kidding me? Like, none of us have any excuse. Like, stop, stop. Like, go do what you need to do today. You've got this. You can do this. You can figure this out. And all of a sudden, the truth of that sort of settles. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? There has been something I, I haven't been doing that I know I could do to make a big difference. And that is that quality, right? That's that quality of resilience. It's a quality of focus. It's a quality of of being kind to self. Mm -hmm. And it's that quality of trust. And, and, you know, we have so many amazing examples now of people. We don't even have to carve our path the way so many people did before because we have so many examples of what's possible, what people can do, what can change, you know, those sorts of things. And um, as you can tell, like J.K. Rowling is really one of mine. Like I just... It, it, we can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's really amazing. Can. That's such a yeah. beautiful story. And that's one thing that I love. I love that you bring up Elon Musk. I mean, come on. 
Really? Yeah, because I think like part of your mission, which I love and I I connect with so much, and it's something that is like a part of my mission as well, is really putting more money in the hands of women. Because yes. You know, I'm a, I'm a board member for Yoga Gives Back, which is a non-for-profit charity organization, and it empowers women and, and girls mainly, but also children in underserved areas in India with microloans to start businesses and scholarships for higher education. And so, you know, girls aren't forced into child marriages and oh. women can start businesses, which not only change their lives, but change their families' lives, change their communities, because yeah. women hire other women. Mm-hmm. And when women have power, then there's less domestic abuse, right? There's more respect. You start breaking all of these gender inequalities and patterns that are like very old stereotypes and ways of being in the world when women are empowered with income. Yeah. And I think it's just such a powerful mission that you have. And I would love to hear just like how you recognize this as a superpower of yours because it really is a superpower. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice of you to say. I mean, gosh, how long do we have? So I mean, look, I I will say my relationship with money has taken a good grief. I don't don't even want to call it like a crazy tour. I don't even know how to describe what this has been like, but it did start when I was very, very young. We were very poor. I was raised by a single mom. And, um, you know, when I was four or five, I was watching the PBS specials. You guys remember the fundraisers for PBS? Mm-hmm. They were so good. Anyway, we were watching The Nutcracker and I remember pointing at the screen going, mom, I want to dance. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't care. It was just beautiful. But obviously we didn't have money to do that. Um, so she would hand make me ballet costumes and like do a little crown out of cardboard yeah. <laughs> that she'd put glitter on, like whatever she could do. Talk about abundance, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever she could do to create that feeling for me. And then what what happened is it came time for me to get to try out for the high school dance team, which was, oh my God, like the end all be all in little Sandy, Utah, where I grew up, right? Like this was like, forget it. You've made it. If you can get on this team, like it was such a big deal. I obviously didn't have any formal dance training. My dance training consisted of MTV, Janet Jackson and Paula Abdul dancing with cartoons and throwing chairs. It was great. (laughs) And so I, you know, we get these moves down. They give us the dance for the tryout dance, right? And there's a lot of chair popping and throwing stuff and knees. And oh my God, I was so bruised. And I went down in my basement and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I got on the team, which freaking blew my mind in a million places, right? Uh, Except then, (laughs) two weeks later, I got the letter from the school talking about how much this was going to cost. We needed the jacket. We need the shoes, the unitard. I can't even believe I'm saying that word. Do you remember that, right? Oh, I had many. Hello, ladies. Right? Like, oh my God, right? With the thought. Anyway, right? So we had to get those um, scrunchies. Yeah, matching scrunchies, like the whole thing. And I'm looking at this piece of paper harmony. And I remember just feeling my stomach drop through the floor because, I mean, there was no way. Like there was no way we could do this. When I say we were poor, there were times we had like half a loaf of bread that my mom had made from scratch and a jar of honey. And that was literally it. Like, I mean, what? I'm going to go buy a unitard? Like this was not doable, right? That I could see. And I think this moment is where I started to fight for what's possible. And I went and got a job at the mall. And I was working at a stupid little kiosk selling crap nobody wanted or needed, but it was really fun. And I think I was paid three fifty seven an hour or whatever the heck minimum wage was then, yeah. right? <laughs> and I got my first check and I was so excited. Yay me. And um, I didn't have a bank account, so we had to go to the grocery store. 
to cash the check. Yeah. And as we're walking in, it's my mom and my younger half-brother. And my mom says, Sarah, the strawberries are on sale. Can we get some? And I'm thinking of the down payment on the costume. And I'm thinking of the strawberries. I'm like, son of a bitch. Yes, we can do both, right? So I go cash my check. My mom goes and like, I think gets the strawberries, right? So now I go to meet her at the express checkout with my money. And I'm so proud. And she's not there. And I'm looking up and down. And she's in an aisle with a cart full of groceries that I know she can't pay for. And it's breakfast cereal, it's milk, it's bread, it's lunch meats for my brother, the damn strawberries are there. And I'm standing there and I'm like, I can pay for this food my family really needs or I can pay for something I've wanted since I was five. Mm -hmm. And that was, the, that was the moment. You want to talk about introducing scarcity. In that moment, I decided I would never be able to take care of my family and myself. And I made that decision real. And that started that like scarcity abundant thing that we all get, right? There's a moment. I just happen to remember this moment so vividly where I decided I was always going to be internally broke, right? Because I can't be happy if they're not happy. And if they're happy, I can't be, right? And we make it into this false, you know, dichotomy, zero-sum game. And, um, and I made that real. I was the first woman in my family to go to college. I lived in France. I worked with homeless children for two years. And when I came back to the States, I moved to New York. Because yeah. if you can make it there. You can make it right? And I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it, baby. And I'm sitting there in my beautiful glass office making all this money with this gorgeous staff. And I'm miserable. And that was the moment as I listened to the clock tick away the seconds of my life in my office. I was like, oh, my God, the grocery store. And that was the day I got up and quit. And that, so when you're asking about putting more money in the hands of more women, it's, that's what I mean, like that journey has been so upside down, left sideways, sort of kitty corner, like all over because there's the experience I had with my mother. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. what she's going through. A woman who was raised in a culture that said, any woman who works is selfish. You should be home with your children. So here she is a single woman doing what she was told to do her whole life and has no money, right? And like, and then I didn't have the money I needed as a woman, right? And it just went on and on. And throughout this story, one of the really cool things that happened that I think started to shift this into more money in the hands of more women was my best friend's mom had heard what had happened and she bought my costumes for me. That's what women do with money. Yeah. That is that's like, I money. think that's what start, I was like, oh my God. And without her, I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing. And so, amazing. Huh, so it's a complicated relation. I wish I could have said, well, it's two plus two, but it's like yeah. this complicated backstory of, of how we've all had these moments with money where it feels like someone's trying to take it or there's never enough. And this is just the way it's always going to be. And these sorts of ideas just kind of come in and settle and fester. Mm -hmm. And get really nasty to the point, you know, people get cancer because they're working so hard. People miss their children being raised because they're working so hard. Other people are living in poverty because they believe they just absolutely, there's no other option. And for so many people, that is the reality every day until it's not. And that sounds like I'm being like, pull yourself up from the bootstraps. They're like, I don't have any. And it's like, no, that's not what it is. It's not that you go start working harder. Yeah. I think what happens, which is what had me go work at the kiosk in the mall is you start fighting for opportunity and you start to fight to say, I'm going to find those opportunities. I'm going to see them. 
And just like what you're doing with your board, right? And what you guys are doing with those women, it's so easy for those women too to say there's no way out of this until there's an opportunity that felt like it wasn't there before. And I'm not saying that's the easiest journey in the world, but when I say abundance is 20% strategy, you can look up any strategy you want. But if your mindset is such that you cannot see opportunities, you will miss them. Yeah. Right. And that isn't to create more scarcity feeling is to say, oh, well, I don't want to miss them. Aha. Okay. So now we start talking to yourself. Like I'm somebody who sees all a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start to see opportunities. I'm going to fight for the idea that there's an opportunity here I can't see or I hadn't seen before. Yeah. And I think that's sort of like I'm, I meant that. That's where that kiosk moment came from, where I was like, half a loaf of bread, jar of honey. Shh, mm. mm-hmm. Where's the money? And I remember thinking that. And Another thing I invite people to do if you're feeling really strapped for money, which is such a real feeling, like you said at the beginning, right? Like there's this practical feeling of, excuse me, my electric bill just came in again. Oh my God. Like those feelings are so real. What I invite people to do is sit. I say sit in a Starbucks because they're everywhere now, (laughs) but sit in a coffee shop or a diner, sit somewhere and watch how much money's flying around this planet all the time. And it is always moving and it is always exchanging hands. And I mean, it's doing it right now, like billions of dollars have changed hands just while we've been talking. And so I think the question is, do you want to jump into that flow? Mm. And as soon as you start asking questions like that, your mind works on it. And all of a sudden, someone walks by that you would have ignored before Mm -hmm. and you go, oh my God, I love that. Where'd you go? Well, I make these. Oh my God, do you need help selling those? And all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, that just came out of nowhere. But it's because you started to shift what you think you can do. And I, and again, that goes back to self-trust, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, I can see opportunities where maybe I didn't see them before. And we know this is a real phenomenon. Yeah, We've all had the experience when you're waiting for someone to pick you up and they have like a gold Honda, right? You're like, oh my God, there's 45 million gold Hondas. Where did they all come from? If yeah. you're looking for something, you will see it. Yeah. It's like a scientific fact. Is it called and, like a and selection I, bias, I think, or something? It is. Yeah, that's what they call it. Yes. <laughs> but it's also, or what you focus on expands, yeah. right? There's so many different ways to talk, but we've all experienced it. Yeah, it's true. Though. And it's actually backed by science. Yeah. It's not a woo-woo idea. No, it's not. <laughs> so I think if we can apply that to abundance. Yeah. It really does work. I, I, yeah. I love this. And what's kind of dropping in for me, which is interesting, I think, I, I'd love to hear what you think about this, but that... Um, often I think it's when we're in that scarcity mindset, when we're feeling like lack or like I don't have enough, it's really like self-centered in a way. It's really focused on mm-hmm. like, why am I not receiving? And then I think when we open up into abundance, it turns into more of like, how can I be of service or what can I give? And it's such a kind of paradox because you think that you're going to get more by focusing on what you can get, but actually when you focus on what you can give away, more starts to show up for you. It's so funny. And that was introduced in my life very young as well. Oh my God, we're talking about my childhood a lot, huh? (laughs) What if I pay you a shrink fee after this? But no, um, is I was raised in a religion where you absolutely give 10% of your pre-tax earnings. And I learned very on any time I would save that money, like I was babysitting at age 12 or whatever, which scares that I see 12 year olds now. I'm like, who trusted me with their children? Anyway, no, but so like I was babysitting forever and I'd make $7 and I'd put 70 cents aside. Every time I did that, there would be more money. Mm. Someone else would call, something else would happen. And the times I didn't, I'd be like, it's fine, right? Like no one's going to know. I didn't get the next gig. Um, 
And I've seen that in so many ways. We, we've all experienced that, right? Like someone asks for money or you find a different way to serve. All of a sudden, there's a new opportunity for you. I think like I don't, this I'm not as scientifically aware, but I do think it has to do with the energy, right? We're around circulating energy and money wants to move. Mm. That's why I say, go watch it move. It wants to move. It's like water, right? If it's held, it gets stagnant and nasty yeah. and it doesn't, it's like Scrooge in the, in the Christmas <laughs> yeah. Carol, right? Not go well, right? You got to move it. You've got to, and that, and you can invest it. I'm not saying you have to spend it, yeah. but you've got to move it out into the world and let it do its thing. Yeah. And so I think when we're in service, when we're around that energy of service, that's going to suck in that energy of flow. And then boom, all of a sudden you're in it. It's when you pull yourself out of it because you're believing the dichotomy, I either have it or I don't, yeah. versus it's constantly moving. You pull yourself out of the current. It's like the turtles, right? You're out of the current and you're going to go slow and you're not going to flow with everybody else. And I do think that that's really what's at work there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. I yeah. love this conversation too, because often I think like from a yogic perspective or a spiritual perspective, we think that money is like the antithesis of spirituality. But I've had teachers who taught me this, you know, years ago, 20, 20 some odd years ago, but the idea that money's just prana, money's energy. And so when you're doing your spiritual practice, you're building prana, you're building energy. Money's no different. It's just a type of energy, like our breath or like water, the earth, right? It's just a resource and it's just a type of, of prana or energy. And when you're in the flow, then the prana is moving and it and it's, can come to you, right? But when you stop it, then it does exactly what you're saying, right? It's like you're creating a dam and you're blocking that energy from coming to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it never goes well. No. <laughs> it just doesn't. It's meant to move. Yeah. yeah. Along those lines, if I can yeah, share, please. I do have one, one more personal philosophy I've come up with with money is that um, it, it has a very love-like energy and love-like meaning like Course in Miracles kind of love, right? There's only love and there's only fear. And that love's job is to bring up your fear yeah. so it can be healed. So and I find money has that very, very same energy in that it gives you the opportunity as it enters your life to heal what you need to heal. And that's why I think sometimes people get rid of it. Because mm. it's like, I, I don't want to heal with this, right? I don't, don't want to deal with this, right? Like lottery winners just get rid of it. It's like, whoa, way too much to heal too fast. I'm out. And and we can all have a lot of empathy for that. We've all had that experience of like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, and so I think when we're looking at money or anytime it does feel stuck, it does feel stagnant. I think one of the opportunities for us is to really sort of go inward and say, what are you showing me to heal? And again, that self-trust will come in and you'll find it usually pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden it'll open up again and you're like, oh my God, oh, that's right. I was supposed to call Bob from accounting and then Bob from accounting has a job for you or whatever, right? Like there's so many different ways that it can start to flow again when we're willing to heal. That's, that's so powerful. I love that question. What are you showing me I need to heal? And I have a, a mentor coach who also really says, you know, things like money or, you know, sex, things that we don't talk about, things that are like mm -hmm. kind of taboo subjects that we're not supposed to speak about hold a lot of our unconscious programming. And so they're so powerful. They're such powerful tools for doing exactly what you're talking about, that deeper work of like looking at that belief or looking at that unconscious or subconscious limitation or thought or feeling or emotion 
and doing exactly that, the deeper work of healing those things. And then when we can heal it, it's amazing because that's really when transformation happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what causes that long-lasting transformation where now you're looking at generational wealth or you're looking at other things that you can do on the planet that really matter to you. Yeah. Maybe maybe instead of hugging the trees, we buy the forest, <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? And then we can hug them all that we want, right? But there's like that idea that like maybe there's more at play here yeah. and we can increase our voice and our causes in a different way as well when we're willing to jump into that stream and do the healing work we need to do to gain that self-trust back. Yeah, which I think is, again, another super important point why it's important for women to get more money. <laughs> Because we think about these things. We're like, okay, we we're thinking more like collectively, more on a universal scale and thinking about like the forest and not just like the bottom line. We're thinking about generations because it's part of our DNA. When you give birth to a child, you're thinking like about generations, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just like me, 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 my, my, my bank account. I want a rocket. I want a whatever like bullshit thing. Just a tip. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it's so mm -hmm. important to, I think, really empower women for us to really embody the fact that money isn't evil and it's not wrong and it's not bad. And, you know, it's not just for men. Right. I'm going to be obnoxious for Please. a hot second now, but I can't back this up with stats. I, I know I read this somewhere um, and I've had financial planners say, yes, that sounds right to me, but I can't find the study mm -hmm. again. So I do want to give this caveat, but it was. Um, that if you give $10, $10 to a man, $2 will go back into the community. Mm -hmm. If you give $10 to a woman, 8 or $9 will go back into the community. I believe it. Um, yeah. And like I said, I wish I could find the study to be like, well, in Harvard, 1990s, I can't find it. So I apologize. And I'm always very careful about that. I don't want to be with all those people who's like, I have a stat that I can't back up. <laughs> but um, it, has, <laughs> but it, has, it does feel yeah. about right, right? Like we've all had that experience. Like I picked a dance company for my daughter who works with autistic children. Yeah. So I know when I put my money there, it's going back into the community that way too, right? And I think we are more thoughtful about it that way because it is meant to move yeah. even when we're investing, right? Like I just moved my entire 401k. We're so excited inside of Team Sarah. We just moved the entire thing into only women-backed environmental companies. Amazing. Like, do you know how excited I am? Like, my socks are rolling up and down, yeah. right? But like, <laughs> that's what we get to do with that when we have it. And now that's going out to all those women running those businesses, all those families that's supporting, plus the cause, Yeah, right? It's like so freaking exciting. And it's not always about shoes and bags, like we were saying. We don't need more clothes, yeah. but we do need more voices of women getting louder and louder. And yeah. for whatever reason right now, Money's the most powerful tool we have access to in the world. We may not love that, but it is for now. Maybe, you know, in five years, we'll be trading paper hearts. I don't know. <laughs> but for right now, it's money. Yeah, money's fine. We'll keep it there for now. But um, yeah, but just the idea that that we have been taught to be afraid of it or we've been taught that we're not good with it when actually it's actually the exact opposite. Yeah. We're really, really good with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because it. in India, often you see this. The women are the ones who are really doing the work and making the money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the men are kind of just spending it, <laughs> it seems to me. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yes. It is. It's, it's, I mean, it changes per culture. It changes, you know, religiously as well. Like there's so many different things that influence how we decide we think people are good and bad with money. And I, I really hope we can change that conversation. So no one's actually good or bad at money. There's different levels of healing. Yeah, that's beautiful.
So tell us a little bit more about how we can work with like our limiting beliefs around abundance, around, mm-hmm. you know, scarcity, around money, making money, keeping money, giving money away, all those things. How do you mm-hmm. how do you start this healing process? Yeah. So I play a fun game. I'm going to be dead serious with you. Um, I had no intention of talking about this, but we're talking about it. I play a fun game. So often people will come to me and they have like a boatload of credit card debt, which is so normal. And by the way, here's a stat I can't back up, by the way, um, is that the average American family is $50,000 in credit card debt. So I just want to say that because it just, everybody's acts like it's such a big secret. It's like, just know that's the average. So just breathe for a hot second. First of all, you haven't done anything wrong. It's by design. Like I have a friend who's trying to quit smoking. She's like, I'm such an I'm like, do you have any idea how much money is behind the problem you're having right now? Like people have spent so much money to keep you addicted, right? People have spent so much money and time and energy to get you into that debt. Okay. And you grew up in a culture, a world, a society where the air we breathe is there's mm-hmm. right. So in order to keep up, you keep spending. Like, oh my God, that makes total sense. Yeah. So we're gonna take any judgment away from that hundred percent. And then we play a game. Mm-hmm. And the game is this. <laughs> You now have enough. Like, you're so good. And this is why I have people pull out their clothes, right? Like, dude, you're so good. Yeah. <laughs> and then it starts slowly, right? Because credit card debt comes in slowly. It comes in very slowly. It's not like you were like, I'm going to buy a $50,000 purse, right. right? That's not usually what's happened. Like, it started because you had to do groceries one month and then shit, there wasn't enough for that. So you pulled here. And now all of a sudden you're like, when did this happen? Totally get it, right? And so what we want to do is play a game in reverse. And so I... I started doing this when I was in debt in my late 20s. It was like, I, I started to kind of figure this out. I'm like, wait a second. And now it's even easier because we have apps. But here's the game. <laughs> you're at a store, you're doing whatever, and you're like, I want to buy that. And then you go, oh my God, I have enough. I actually don't need to buy that. You take the money that that costs right there in the store. Now you can do it with apps. Mm-hmm. And you move it from your checking account to your credit card. Just move it. You were going to pay for it anyway. Nice. Move it. So I started with like the flowers at Trader Joe's. I love the flowers yeah. at Trader Joe's. They're so great, right? So it'd be like, oh, I was going to spend $13 on those flowers. Right there, I'd just move it. That's awesome. And put it on a credit card. And then the next day, it was like, oh, the kids want pizza. It was like, all right, well, that would be 50 bucks if I order for everybody. And then I was like, oh, wait, I can make the dough. We'll do it here. It's going to cost five bucks. I moved 45 bucks onto the credit card. Like literally, it was just like that all the time. Now I do it for savings. Amazing. Right? So now it's like, oh, I was going to spend that money on a pizza party. Well, now I'm going to move it into savings. Those are the types of people are like, I got out of debt so fast. I'm like, yeah, because that's how you got in debt. And people don't think of it that way. They're like, I must pay down 80 bazillion. It's like, no, 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 no. You put it on dollar by dollar. You take it off dollar by dollar. And if you start doing that when it never hurts, you're never like, oh my God, I can't can't eat out. Like you're not in that space at all. You're in an abundant space of like, oh, I was going to spend that, but I have enough. Oh my God, let me throw it over there. And you don't think about it. That's so And then once that debt is gone and you start doing that in savings, then it gets super fun. Yeah. And then you're like, I just put $600 in my account. It feels so good, right? And then um, one of the things I do, I wish I was an affiliate. I am not. But one of my favorite places to invest for everybody because there's no barrier to entry is Vanguard, Vanguard Mm vanguard.com. You can go there right away. You can connect it to your regular checking account and you can invest in things you love like Disney or Pepsi or whatever. Yeah. I love their index fund. I'm not a financial planner. Disclaimer inserted here, <laughs> right? But I I love their index fund. It's performing really well. And we know from any financial guru, you can pick up your phone on Google, that they'll tell you an index fund will beat the market almost every single time. And it does. And it's great. And it's safe. And it's not a bazillion dollars. And you can play a bunch of games in there. And then the other thing I'll say about saving and growing that wealth and playing with it is recently there have been several banks 
who are starting to bring back 80 style savings interest, which is so beautiful. Nice. And Vanguard has done that as well, where you can just keep cash in an account at 4.7%. Oh, that's amazing. At least as of this recording. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah. And it's cash. So if you want to move it out later, you can, yeah. but at least let it make money while it's doing that. And that is the whole thing about money is it will work really hard for you yeah. while you're watching Netflix or doing whatever. You're like, oh, thank you, money. I love you. And it's just out there doing whatever. And then you can play games with that too. Like if you want to take that interest and move it towards your favorite homeless shelter, do that. And you can start to play with it and have some fun with it. So it's not this big, heavy thing because it's not a big, heavy thing. It's fourth grade math at the hardest of all of it. It's fourth grade math. Literally, it's really not that hard. And I have a debt. I have a credit card eliminator. If anybody's interested in that, mm -hmm. I'm happy to, to send that to you too. But I love it. You just play the game and you just get rid of it. Yeah. And then you move it into screening. Oh, that's so, so good. That's yeah. That's a really fun way to take some of the emotional charge out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. So tell us a little bit more about how, if people want to work with you, how on earth would they come and find you? You have like courses and coaching and programs and so many ways that women could really come and figure out how to like tap into their own abundance. Yeah, so good, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, we just I just want wealthy women running around having the best time. No worries, baby. I do have online courses. I have heart-centered sales for people who are just sort of learning how to sell um, and aren't quite sure what to do. I love that course. It's a DIY course. And so is the money mindset course. So if you're just new to this world and you're like, I don't know what my relationship is to money, that's a really fun course yeah. to take. Um, and then working with me directly, there are three ways. Once a year, I launch the Sales Mastermind, where we really look at um, how to sell online, right? And how to sell over calls and how to sell if you're on a podcast, like all those sorts of things, like really taking the fear out of selling, right? And it's very coupled to our fear of money or making money or being seen as greedy. Yeah. And so we just sort of lift up all that shame and have a really great time learning how to sell with heart. Beautiful. Um, and then I, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then my favorite, I'm sorry, I do have a favorite. I'm like the mom <laughs> who's like, I don't want to tell you what my favorite is. No, is the, um, is the Abundance Academy. And that is a year-long program where we transform your relationship to abundance inside the program. Amazing. Amazing. And that's like abundance in all kinds of directions and areas of life, right? Yes. Health, relationships, love, money, work, time. Oh, I love the time abundance parts. Yeah. 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 Because I think that's another kind of thing when we think about abundance and we've been talking about money a lot just because of the holidays and like that's kind of where my head was at when we started. But abundance is is so much more than just wealth and money, right? Mm. Like abundance shows up in so many different ways. And like you're saying, time, I think, you know, for people who have enough money, what do they always lack? They lack time, right? <laughs> like that's the next unconscious place where we put all of our limiting beliefs, right? <laughs> so true. Yeah. And I, I think abundance is an experience. Mm. Um, money is a resource. Mm. And I think when we can start to differentiate that, that makes a big difference. But yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Abundance is an experience and money is a resource. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it's about feeling, feeling that feeling of freedom and abundance, and which is like a lack of, of worry <laughs> or constraint. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And letting it sort of free flow and being in those moments, you know, when you're doing something and time disappears because time is actually emotion. Yeah. Time is not um, a thing. It's an emotion. Yeah. And we know that, right? Because when you're getting a root canal, it's a really long time, <laughs> right? But when you're dancing with your best friend and you are giggling and can't stop laughing, hours fly by, mm -hmm. right? It's emotional. 
time is emotion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's such a key. I think when you can kind of figure that out, that, yeah, time is like an emotional experience, not an yeah. actual experience. <laughs> I still say I don't have enough, but... Oh, do you remember that movie, that that movie, that TV show Heroes, where Hero could like stop time yes. and keep going? I was like, yes, I want that. If I could have a superpower, that's what I want. All y'all to hold still for four hours every day <laughs> while I keep doing stuff, and then we're good. Yeah. That's when I say Elon Musk has the same amount of time that we do. I so I think he just has more servants. <laughs> He's got something, and I'm going to say it's not anything any of us can acquire. <laughs> I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. No, it's so funny. Well, this was really fun. And if you had any advice for someone listening who maybe wanted to tap into abundance more mm. or heal the relationship with this sense of scarcity or lack, what kind mm. of advice would you give? Oh, that's hard to wrap up. <laughs> um, anytime you're feeling scarce, wiggle your toes. Put your feet on the ground and wiggle your toes. What that does is it pulls you back into reality and it lets you know you're okay. And it's one of the fastest ways I've found people to be able to do that. And so as you're really learning to practice abundance, when you're, you run up against scarcity, which you will, because we live in a world that tells you everything scares all the time. So tapping back into that mindset is really easy. And so as you're working on strengthening your ability to stay in abundance is wiggling your toes and then looking at the space around you. So instead of looking at the objects you see, look at the space around the objects and then ask yourself, what's my best next step? And it'll come. It'll be there almost immediately every single time, whether you're worried about a bill that just came in, um, you're not sure what to do next, you fought with somebody you love, whatever it is, that little exercise will make all the difference. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's like yeah. getting really embodied and present, tuning into the sensation, tuning into the now, the present moment, and then also like getting expansive in your awareness, which helps you really tap into that, that essence or that kind of source, that presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then tuning in to the, the messages or the downloads or the you know, what's your next best step? What's the next, what's the direction I should go? I love that. That's yeah. so powerful. I think that's the answer to all our problems. Can you remind me the next time I forget too, because we're all human and we go through this cycle. Like this is, you know, I think it's why it's so important we have each other. Yeah. I really go back to the five people, yeah. right? From the very beginning. It's so important that we have each other to go, oh, dude, you just slipped in scarcity. Oh my God, I totally did. Right? Without judgment and without, because of course we do. Yeah. We're born into this, right? And I think being there to support each other when that happens is so powerful because I think that's how we shift it yeah. on a larger scale for all of us is to the, like that shared humanity we have in this. And there's these scary feelings that come up and that we're there for each other when that happens. Totally, totally. Having community is so important. And mm. I know I'm so grateful that we're connected and friends and that we have each Me other too. too because you're always there when I'm like freaking out and <laughs> send a little message too. Help me out. <laughs> I love it. I'll we'll always be here, Harmony, forever. And back at you, sister. That's gone both ways several times. Thank you. Yes. Oh, it's such yeah. a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming on. And No, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate yeah, that. Tell people where they can find you, like on the Instagram and on the websites and all the places. All the and your podcast, so Game On Girlfriend. Yeah, girl. Well, I <laughs> think we know somebody who might be showing up on that soon. Um, yes, yeah, so you can come on over to sarahwalton.com, hang out with me there. Um, and uh, I have a YouTube channel where yeah. I do Sarah Uncut and Coffee with Coach, so where fun. I just 
go get on a coach once a month. It's so fun. Um, and then I am on Instagram at thesarahwalton.com. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. We'll put everything in the show notes. But yeah, definitely tune in. You have so many amazing resources on YouTube. It's like a vault of inspiration <laughs> and like wisdom. So definitely people should check out your YouTube channel. And they can catch you live, right? Once a month, right? Once a month. It's so fun. Coffee with coach. Grab your coffee. Let's go. I know. I think that's actually how, I mean, we met in a group, but that was one of the things that I started during COVID. You were doing it like every week. Every day. Every day. (laughs) I, you guys, hang on to your hats and glasses. Like talk about abundance. I was like, people are freaking the F out and I'm a coach. Yeah. Let's go. No, and I literally, I went live. Coffee with Coach was meant to be 15 minutes every day. Yeah. It turned into an hour. Wow. Right, where people were literally like, I'm freaking, a George Floyd hit, like the Me Too movement, everything. And it just, and I was like, well, Coach has got to show up. And so I went live every single day. That's amazing. For five months. Yeah, that's how it started. Yeah, incredible. Crazy. That's cool. And people can catch those those past episodes on your YouTube channels. It's all there. (laughs) Ta-da. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It was so fun connecting with you. Thank you so much, Harmony. I loved it. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Finding Harmony podcast. I would love to hear what your takeaways are. You know, maybe even just reflect. If you knew there was going to be always a million dollars in your bank account, no matter what, how would you feel? Who would you be? And can you shift into that energy right now? Can you insource that feeling of that expansiveness, that abundance right now in your life? And yeah, see how that feels. I would love to also connect with you inside my retreat coming up on December 17th, Reflect and Project. So be sure to sign up, come on in. It's going to be an amazing half-day retreat online, really setting some intentions and projections and planning out 2024 in a way where you're manifesting abundance, calling in wealth, calling in classes, clients, students, creating whatever dreams you have. Maybe it's a new baby, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's a new person in your life, whatever it is. I would love to help you really cultivate and clarify that vision and move into alignment with it. And so, yeah, send me a message. You can find out more about this retreat on my website, harmonyslater.com. I would love to just hear how you enjoyed this episode and what is your takeaway? What are you going to integrate from listening? Can you step into that feeling of empowerment and know that you can create income, you can create the money that you need, and it's always there. Just step into the flow of it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony with me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.